Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and this week we talk about two Oscar-nominated actors and their films, Denzel Washington in Roman J. Israel Esquire, and the great Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread. Also, romantic movies for Valentine's Day. Okay, what turns you on and what makes you happy? Ooh, what turns you on? Ah, good wine, good movie. <laughs> well, and you. I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. So for two layered Oscar-nominated performances this week, we're going to toast two layered wine selections. Nice. Both kind of connected to each of the plot lines of our two actors. And as love is in the air, let's... Toast a few new sparklers, ideal for your Valentine's Day. Also, get ready, mark your calendars now, as Gary and I are heading back to Dallas on March 1st for an incredible event with Studio Movie Grill, a good way to to uh, celebrate the Oscars Absolutely. with some delicious wine. We're going to have a little bit more on that later in the show. But first, Gary, let's talk about Roman J. Israel Esquire. Okay, I, I the more I think about this film, the worse it gets. But I enjoyed watching it. I thought three-fourths of the way through, this is convoluted. And the movie got really confusing and messy to me. It was. Yeah. And it, 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 and let's just do some of the groundwork here and unpack this a little bit. It's Denzel Washington, who is just great in Fences, Glory, Malcolm X, Training Day, American Gangster. Remember, he played with Clive Owen, whom we love, in Inside Man. And it's got Colin Farrell, who was in The Lobster and Minority Report in Bruges. Uh, and then this new girl I've never seen before, Carmen Jago who was in Selma, mm-hmm. and she was also in Alien Covenant. And it's directed by Dan Gilroy, who did Nightcrawler, a much better film. Mm-hmm. That Nightcrawler, to me, is a mm-hmm. really difficult, dark, but very good film. And he wrote, Dan Gilroy wrote uh, Kong Skull Island, <laughs> which I find kind of funny. But uh, to me, this is kind of a misedited, misdirected, makes no sense, very well-acted um, movie that the whole time I'm watching Denzel, I'm thinking, man, he's great because he's nominated for an Oscar for this. Tom Hanks did not right. get nominated for The Post, right. but Denzel did, and that's kind of a trade-off with two multiple yeah. Oscar winners. But the more I think about this movie, the the more it just kind of falls apart. And there's a weird thing that happens near the end. And I'm just, I'm not going to give it away, but this is another case where uh, I want to say where you have a, a main black character in a movie and a white man kind of rescues the end, kind of comes in at the end. And, yeah. and it's just, it, it, the more I think about that, that kind of irritates Bothers me. Bothers you, sure, sure. Because it's a real cliche now, mm-hmm. and it's been done in movies for years and years. Interesting, because I, I don't know that... I mean, it, there definitely was a lot of conflict within this. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt our lead character was 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 held in chains a lot. Yes. Um, but, I, like, he had... There was conflict in the movie. There, were the, the, there was conflict within himself. There was, like, I just kind of kept... There was a lot of angst. 
I think kind of throughout there, but then there was also a lot of, uh, you know, I, hopefully what we don't see in this world and this movie has been out for a while, so I don't think yeah. we're giving anything away, but, um, you know, he, he kind of sells out, but he kind of sells out because he's just kind of angry that everybody else has sold out. So why shouldn't he sell out also? And then he, you know, it's within that he also, you know, kind of defies himself and, and does some things that he, you know, shouldn't. And no, he's a real flawed character. Yeah, yeah. He's also, we're trying to figure him out, whether he has some kind of emotional Conscious, disease yeah. or, or has yeah. something going on or, what, you know, what's, what's his deal. Because he's also very odd. There were 19 jars of peanut butter in his house. Well, he's, he's a, very much a savant yeah. in yeah. a way. I mean, he's not Rain Man. <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> no. that. You know, he's a very functional human mm-hmm. being, but he's not a functional socially. Right. And he dresses really odd and weird, and people call him out. And he's trying to work in a big law firm, you know, mm-hmm. and his boss is Colin Farrell. But Colin recognizes him for what he is, but mm-hmm. also kind of holds him to the fire a little bit. But that plot twist turn, yeah. the, there's a plot twist turn halfway through the movie that lost me. Yeah. And it didn't make any it didn't make any sense. And this his isn't act- really based on anybody. But then his actions afterwards, I think, were so... That that was kind of the yeah. whole selling out thing, and it's just so, it yeah. Does he try to make up for it for selling out? I don't think so. Kinda, but not really. I know that's it's, why it's that's why it's a. You know, maybe that's they think they're being unconventional by doing that, but so it's, 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 it's just a, it just turns confusing. So, so when the film premiered, and I want to say it premiered. And I could be wrong. I think it premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. And there was a lot of talk about this film when it came out. And it got slammed a lot. And they ended up re-editing the film and took out 19 minutes of it. I would have appreciated those 19 minutes. I think it ruined it. Yeah, because yeah. I don't... It might not have made it better. Yeah, but, it, but it maybe it would have... It's kind of like in one of my personal favorite films, Almost Famous. There's the, the director's cut and right. then the cut they actually put out. And those... It's like 30 minutes of extra footage. Do you like the extra? Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. Because it's... it it. I thought they said that the film was too long. I think that those actual extra minutes actually tighten up the whole yeah. the whole script. I think that's yeah. always true when you love a film. Yeah. If you don't like, if you don't love a film, I'm not sure. Oh, who I'm not sure whatever road you take and drive that cinematic bus is going to make it any better. Because <laughs> Almost Famous is a great film. Exactly. Yeah, we love that film. Anyway, I, I he's going to get nominated for he's nominated for an Oscar. He will not win this. I mean, this is all the year of Gary Oldman. Right. For playing Churchill, but you know, listen, he's I, I I think he gets lost in this role. He's odd. We haven't seen him like this. Yeah, he's really good. It's I, a great I have nothing bad to say about the actors. I just don't actors. understand the the actual. I think it's a misdirected and misedited film, and it and it has some plot twists that weren't thought through before they filmed. But boy, he's good in it. He's I mean, he I'm Denzel's biggest fan. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so maybe not as as big of a thumbs up on this one for me. No. Which I kind of listen. Have I to enjoyed say. watching it. So we're gonna now talk about um, two wines that with both of our films. They both actually come from the same um, company, the same wine brand, um, which is Prisoner Wine Company. Yeah. We're gonna start. We see that label a lot. We see. Yeah. So Prisoner is very, very, <laughs> very um, well distributed. They are they're making a lot of wine. It was as we know started by. Um, Dave Feeney a handful of years ago sold to Constellation eight years ago Zinfandel based wine 
um, and thought that, you know, because our lead character kind of finds himself mm-hmm. as, as a prisoner within himself because he has all of these conflicts. Does he sell out? Doesn't he? Does he not? He also is defending prisoners. He is. So I thought that would be kind of a fun little twist. Um, you know, it's it's a very, uh, the wine, much like the film, it's it's big. It's it's high alcohol. It's a lot of fruit. It's in your face. There's not a lot of subtlety. It's jammy. It's so jammy. It's it's. I'm not in the the. I am not as much of a prisoner fan. I know a lot of people that love prisoner. And, and, oh yeah. And it is a very very popular wine. And it's a very easy to drink wine. It's you know lots of fruit, lots of you know kind of dark chocolate, sweet spice, all those kinds of things that that kind of makes a big juicy red really just easy to drink and super approachable um it does it lacks the nuances though that i look for wow that's a perfect pairing for this film and a lot of i feel like you just explained the movie to me (laughs) through a bottle of wine wine. (laughs) you're awesome so let's talk to let's talk about a a a film that i think you liked a little more well phantom thread to me Uh, so i I can't get my head around everything in this movie it's written and directed by paul thomas anderson who i am paul thomas anderson's biggest fan when you talk about wine winemakers that you love like dave adelsheim and dave minor um i'm talking about paul thomas anderson and he did boogie nights he did magnolia that's a three hour and 45 minute beating of a movie but i'm fascinated by it he did a little film called punch drunk love with adam sandler that i love he did there will be Blood. He did the master yeah. with Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman, and and uh, and and he, I just think he's a, a, a great filmmaker. And then along comes this weird thing, which is also Daniel Day Lewis's reportedly last film. He's been very outspoken. Uh, I read some stuff about him the other day that he was so sad after making this movie, mm-hmm. he hasn't been able to come out of his sadness because he is a method actor right. and it takes him time. He's very affected by every role he plays. He's not us. Right. He can't leave it. At, he can't leave it in the studio yeah. or at home. It takes everything home with him. And it's very hard for him. And so he's he's just trying to get his life back together yeah, yeah. after making and promoting this movie. But Daniel Day-Lewis, three-time Oscar winner, My Left Foot, Last of the Mohicans, Room with a View, There Will Be Blood, Lincoln. and uh, Gangs he, of New York. And Gangs of New York. I mean, there's a lot of them. Um, Vicky Kreps is this young actress who plays the muse. And I've never seen her before. She's a German actress. And the plot line of the story is that Daniel Day-Lewis is in the 1950s. He's British, and he runs this couture house. And he's the dressmaker of all of England. And all royalty come to him, and famous people come to him. And he has a whole army of women in this old restored home that helps him make one dress. And so the, the meticulous cinematography of how he lives, how he eats breakfast, he cannot have noise while he eats breakfast. And if you scrape your toast at all, you're out of there. And he's a perfectionist, and he's difficult. He's also really good at his job, but he's a complete eccentric that nobody in the world has ever said no to him. And his sister runs the business with him and is with him 90% of the time in this movie. Even if he goes on a date, his sister comes. Wow. And it's very odd. And she's great. She's nominated for an Oscar. I mean, she's Leslie Manville was in Mr. Turner and Maleficent. She's she's on on in the West End now in a, in a play in England. But it's about... And then he, he, in the opening scene, he fires the muse that's been living with him for a while. Because... Just the fact that you fire your you fire your, your lover. lover and your muse in front of you, and your sister has to let her go. Oh. Your sister has to go tell her 
because she keeps eating like donuts at breakfast, and it annoys him. Wow. So it gets rid of him. And it's the sisters, and they're both cold as ice. Daniel Day and his sister, just they're great at what they do, but they're absolutely cold. And then he's having, he takes a little road trip by himself and goes into this little restaurant and orders almost everything on the menu. He orders bacon, sausage, he orders like 10 things and looks at the waitress and says, can I take you to dinner tonight? Because he's looking for another muse. Mm-hmm. And she says, yes. And she moves in and becomes his lover and his muse, and one of the ladies that helps make the jackets or the dresses. And it's and she's the first one to say no to him. And he doesn't know what to do. And they fight and fight and fight and becomes and then there's a twist three fourths away that I will never say anything about that is so dark and so weird and creepy that it's it's really a, it's really a set piece and a period piece on how love hurts, that sometimes you're so much in love with a person and they're so, they, these two people should not be together, mm-hmm. but they cannot not be together. Mm-hmm. And it's painful for both of them. Oh. And they figure, they figure out how to operate. And it's, it's how none of us would ever operate or stand for any of this for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And, how, and how do you, in your whole life, you're the best in the world at what you do and nobody's ever said no to you? Yeah. How do you handle that? And he can't, oh, it's hard for him. <laughs> and how she handles it is really dark. And fascinating, and there's no, there's no real tie-up. It's not a conventional movie. It's just to make you think. And however you want to react to the movie is probably accurate. I think from that director. But man, love is painful in this movie, and it's emotional, and it's physically painful. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's a little bit of torture, and it's just. And it, I'm not talking Fifty Shades of Grey torture, right? But that you know. Well, a different for exactly. these Well, I think that that, and sadly, I I didn't get a chance to see this, but I can't wait to because it's one of the I best think. looking movies. Yeah. I've, I it's so exquisite. I can't take my eyes off it. Every room, every corner that they. Do a scene in right. you, you. You look at the art on the wall, yeah. and you look at the linens on the tablecloths, and you. Everything was staged perfectly. You look at the silverware. There's a little bit of culinary arts in it, mm-hmm. and it's like wow, yeah. wow. For your average moviegoer that you know just walked out of a Marvel comic book movie, they're gonna hate this, <sighs> and that's okay. Yeah, because. Paul Thomas Anderson's not doesn't make movies for you. But I do think I have a, a good pairing, though, just based off of, of everything yeah. you said about it. And so just because of the characters and how they both kind of come together. So uh, kind of sister wine to the the prisoner is uh, blindfold. Wait, prisoner and, and blindfold. blindfold. This so, is so perfect. Um, so it's the white <laughs> blend that that prisoner wine company makes. And I actually do like blindfold a, yeah. a lot. It's kind of a Rhone-based white blend. So lots of floral notes, lots of um, kind of apricot and stone fruit and um, a little bit of citrus, but also lovely freshness, lots of, of vibrancy and brightness, which which you look for with Rhone varieties because sometimes they can be a little bit muddled. And so I, I do think the wine comes through really beautifully. And I think that, you know, just kind of hearing how he handles his character, how he handles her, how how she feels, you know, she's she's kind of bound and he's kind of bound and they're kind of bound to each other and not like the Fifty Shades. Yeah, it's the, not the, that, the bad movie. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Sorry, the other movie that's opening um, this that we weekend, probably won't. We see. probably won't see. Yeah. Um, but it's not that kind of Fifty of, Shades of Get Me Away from Here torture. <laughs> it's just kind of that you know, like I think you said it perfectly. The the they can't they can't be together, but they can't not be together. Right. And so how and they have actually, to figure it out. Yeah, how do you actually deal wow, with that? Blindfold. So enjoy a good glass of wine. I think that's perfect for this. Yes. I mean, because it's a very. 
you know, when you talk about complex and aromas and, you know, that are in this bottle, that, that whole movie uh, is about the nuances of how human beings act and treat each other and in, in good situations and in difficult situations. And, and then dealing with eccentricity of having nobody ever saying no to you. Yeah. I mean, this guy is spoiled rotten. And Daniel Day-Lewis is so good. Listen, so I think... So do you he, think, I was going to say, is there any... And you just said, Gary, it's Gary Oldman's year. But, I mean, is this a, is this a, an Oscar-worthy I, performance? Yeah. But I would put him... I, I don't think he'll win. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll win for his last film. Mm-hmm. I think he'll come in second. I really you don't get an Oscar for a second. Yeah, you don't get an Oscar for a second. It's Gary Oldman's year, and 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 Daniel Day Lewis will be mm-hmm. fine with that because yeah. you know they know each other. But it, but if you want to see an actor just get completely lost in the moment uh, of every film that you watch him in, that's him. I think I'm gonna make a bold statement. I think he's the greatest actor in the world. Wow. I think he's the best actor on the planet, and he's never worked enough. Yeah. But everything in his. But that in, was his choice. Yeah, right? and he, and he's not going to be a superhero guy. He's gonna he's an act. And uh, he's so odd and peculiar, and, you know, he says he just wants to quit and not do it anymore. Hey, when we come back on, did I say hey? Hey. Haley. Hey. Hey. <laughs> when we come back on Cogill Wine and Film a Perfect Pairing, movies and wine we celebrate on Valentine's Day. What's your favorite romantic movie, and what are you drinking? And we will be right back. Welcome back to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. As we turn our thoughts towards love and romance on Valentine's Day with movies we love, wines we love to drink together. And can we just rattle out a bunch of films real quick? Do you love Shakespeare in Love as much as I do? I know. I think you love it a little bit more than I do. I love it so much. You love it so much. I think it's fantastic. You know, give me a period piece any day, and and it's beautiful. Is there a period? Do you like Pride and Prejudice more? Yes. Is that more of a Valentine's Day movie for you? Well, I think, you know, I guess it just depends upon, I don't know what you classify as a Valentine's Day. It's It's a perfect romantic love story. The Sense and Sensibility also, you know, I I appreciate... All of, and I appreciate all the different characters and how each character yeah. finds love. I do too. I th- I think Gwyneth Paltrow is so good in Shakespeare in Love. Yeah. And when she opens that door after spending the first night with yes. him, and says, "Oh, it's a new day," and just <laughs> and her hair is all mussed up, and her cheeks are rosy, and you know exactly what she means. I I just think everything about that movie. You know, that's the movie that beat Saving Private Ryan right. for Best Picture, right. and it shocked everyone. Yeah. But that's the movie that you'll watch over and over and over. I'll watch. I've seen Saving Private Ryan five or six times, but I've seen Shakespeare in Love probably fifteen. But you probably don't want to see Saving Private Ryan that many times. Yeah. And yet I will say Shakespeare in Love's been been playing a lot on cable. It's, been, I'm, it stops down. For I know me. we've been we've been watching it a lot. It's kind of like a Shawshank kind yeah. of movie. Like when it's on, we'll watch it. And that whole ending, that whole tragic ending, you know, of Romeo and Juliet done by, and then the whole thing about you know women coming into. Yes, the you know, theater. And- the theater and all that stuff. And then you have Judy Dench, who's in the movie maybe nine minutes and wins the Oscar supporting actress Oscar because she's so... she's such a You can't take Queen your Elizabeth. eyes off her. Absolutely. And it, which begs the question of what really is a romantic movie for you. I mean, it can be a sad movie. It can be a melancholy movie. A lot. I think a lot of romantic movies have a melancholy, sad twist mm-hmm. to them, like The Notebook. Oh, Would that be in your so list? Good. So good. You love that movie? I love that movie. I cried in that movie, but I don't love that movie. Oh, I love it. I cried movie. because of James Garner. And, yes. Yeah, it's not Ellen Burstyn. Who is it? Gina Rollins is yes. in that film. Yes. But uh, I love Amelie, the French film. And uh, I've compared Shape of Water to Amelie meets Creature from the Black Lagoon. But to 
purely watch. We're gonna let's do that some night. Let's let's drink some French wine and watch Amelie because I I I think this little Audrey tattoo who I had no idea who she was and a whole idea of a generous woman who doesn't find love herself but helps others find it and then finds love herself. It's just the most beautiful, and it's in French. And don't don't ever watch it dubbed over and right. into English. It's just one of the best. Um, Say anything works for me. Do you love that little movie? Do you yeah, remember that movie? Absolutely. I mean, that was my. It's a Seattle that's movie. My youth. Yeah, yeah that's a Northwest so. movie. Yeah, that's. Who is it? I mean, John Cusack was kind of in his his Better Off Dead. Say anything. He was kind of the the rising star, and then. Because um, I think we've talked about High Fidelity also on yeah. the show. Yeah, Love I'm a John Cusack fan. And the father in that film is uh, John Mahoney. John Mahoney just, just passed away. Passed away. So yeah. I'm I'm on a flight. I'm on a four hour flight from L.A. to I want to say New York to L.A. once. And John Mahoney's in the seat next to me, and nice. we talked acting for four straight hours. Aww. I'll never forget that. And I, I've interviewed him a few times yeah. for you know, for movies, but I'll never forget that and just how normal he was and how diverse he was because he really loved theater and he really loved stage acting as much. You know. Became famous for Frasier, but he was in a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah and he did a lot a of lot. things. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to get to every movie Meg Ryan probably ever made. Is probably <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle. But Sleepless in Seattle, I love when Mary Harry yeah. met Sally. Both of those, you can. I, I think you back uh, in the day. Then she the Paris of, movie too. She kind of fell French off Kiss. The, yeah, then it, she got a little. Weird. She kind of fell off the Meg Ryan wagon. Yeah, you yeah, know? it was bad. But you love uh, um, love love actually. You love love actually, and you Which love the Tom Hanks think, Meg Ryan film. Um, Sleepless in Seattle. No, the other one uh, where they're the books where they're the. the oh, um, um, you've got mail. You've yes, got mail. You've got mail is awesome. That I never, can recite that. That never quite worked for me as I much. I mean, is Sex in the City a love movie? I think it yeah, is. I she think it is. Gets <laughs> you know, I said Almost Famous earlier. It's one of my favorite movies. Certainly, you know, I, I, I think people or somebody might say, "Oh, a Valentine's movie or a romantic movie it has to be a romantic comedy." And I don't. I think I agree with you that it has to. If if there if there can be lots of angst, there can be lots of sadness. Oh, yeah. I think we watched Notting Hill the other night. There, yeah. There's some when they kind of go around the table to get the last brownie or something like Notting that. Notting Hill's and it's great. Just, and it's just all these people telling all their sad stories. Yes. And yet, and yet it's so, yeah, it's just so beautiful. Well, you can, Bridget you, Jones is another one that I love. Oh, I would say uh, Sense and Sensibilities. I brought that up earlier. Yes. yes. I, that, I think Sense and Sensibility and, and watching, oh, my Any goodness, Jane Austen when, movie. When probably. Emma Thompson lets out her gasp when, 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 when Hugh, Grant, Hugh walks Grant walks in and she just is so verklempt. And she cries because she's happy she's in that so movie. She's so happy. You don't see movie cry, people in movies cry because they're happy yeah. very often. Yeah. She has that same cry scene, but because she's sad in Love Actually. Yes, she And does. how much do we love Love Actually? Oh, Is that a stop-down movie for yeah. the both of us? Yeah. Most people think it's see a holiday movie. It's not a Christmas. I mean, it is a Christmas movie. But, yeah. But that's, that's all of those different characters weaved in. And they haven't really done another... They've tried to do a lot of ensemble pieces, films like that. Oh, they try to sense. remake that movie every year. And, and it they can't don't. ever be remade. They can't. Uh, yeah, no. Maybe it's because the British figured it out. So the word is that they're getting everybody together and doing a sequel of Love Actually. I'll watch that movie. And, yeah, I'll watch that movie too. Yeah. That's got a built in audience. I, hope, I like, hope that Laura Linney gets to, you know, jump up and down. And she finally gets with, with her. her. Wait, how much, see, we love every character in that movie. Yeah, we I think it's funny. I, th- I think the couple that works in the porno business, but date, <laughs> the Hobbit? but date, yeah, the Hobbit, but dates like you know they're fifteen year olds and have no idea where to put their hands or do, <laughs> and so sweet and innocent yeah. is really really funny, cool, and and of course, anytime um, 
uh, Colin Firth. Yes. You know, loses all of his papers, papers in the in pond, there, yes. and she jumps in and helps rescue the papers. And that scene where he uh, he he goes to is it in Italy? They're in Marseille. In Mar- so, oh, so yeah, they're in France. So they're in France, but she's but she speaks and the, Portuguese. And the sister follows him. Yes. And the dad, yeah. and he speaks broken Portuguese oh. and professes his love. It's so cool. So yeah. romantic. All right. So, you know, those are good. And, and I'll say this one other thing. A lot of people's idea of a romantic movie on Valentine's is nine and a half weeks. Oh, my gosh. I don't think that that's, especially in the world we live in today... Um, that wouldn't be my choice for. <laughs> it wouldn't be Fifty Shades of Grey either. Well, yeah, I yeah, don't. No. I'm not a. I'm not a bondage person. I just made that big statement. <laughs> wow! Welcome to the podcast. I know. <laughs> okay, so let's. Uh, Here, let me let's, tie my shoes right here. Let's, <laughs> let's uh, change <laughs> change course a little bit. Yeah, what are you going to pair we with all this love, crazy well, stuff? Well, we love bubbles. I think that everybody thinks that bubbles are are always you know the perfect romantic. Thing to enjoy on Valentine's Day and New Year's and special mm-hmm. occasions, but I really agree with that. We drink bubbles often, and and don't just save it for a special occasion. But if you are going to save your good bottle for a special occasion, then then now's the time. Valentine's Day, do a brute rosé. Do something we talked about. Love brute rosés. Vouv Clicquot last week. Um, Billicard salmon. Salmon. Um, Bollinger has a beautiful. Uh, Brut Rosé. Also, you know, I love Ruinart's Blanc de Blanc also. Such a clean, crisp, great freshness, great acidity. But even, you know, a $50 bottle of of Moet is also just perfect. So, Champagne runs the gamut. I mean, it can get into the hundreds. Oh, absolutely. And and there there is a difference. When you start, I mean, you drink a bottle of Cristal, you're kind of paying for that brand, but that's really good. It's good. I think, you know. I love finding the kind of, the smaller Champagne house that maybe is a little bit more obscure that nobody knows about. And it might be 75 makes, or 50. Right. Still makes a, a really, really great product. The hard thing is, is just how do you find them and, and yeah. what's the kind of availability. So, you know, I think you do sometimes pay for a name, but I often find that people that want to pay for the name are just um, trying to impress their friends. So are there, are there regions in America that's making sparklers more? Absolutely. And I think that there are two wines I do want to kind of talk about. So there's a brand new product that we just tried, and I'm so excited for our friends, Adam and Diana Novi Lee, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, formerly of Suduri. We know they started Suduri. We know their love story and their romantic story of meeting at Neiman's in Dallas and falling in love and talking about making wine. And then they moved to Sonoma and created an incredible brand over 20 years ago. Suduri sold that uh, I want to say maybe three years ago now to Jackson Family. Very happy for that sale. I think they did very well with that. And it seems that Jackson Family has kind of maintained and is staying true to the whole um, idea that that Adam and Diana had and making um, you know both single vineyard as well as regional Pinot Noirs under that brand mm-hmm. and and. I I like a lot of the what we're seeing now with with some of these bigger houses coming in and buying smaller properties and letting the property kind of maintain the the idea that they started with and and their own brand and just put the you know take the back office work that right. a winemaker shouldn't ever have to focus on. Anyway, so excited for that. But Diana actually launched her own new product. It's called Flaunt. 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 
Flaunch stuff. And it's traditional method sparkling wine made from grapes grown in Russian River and the Sonoma Coast, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, about half and half. Really fresh, really vibrant, lots of acidity, which I love, and a really great sparkling wine. Kind of green apple, great citrus, but also some of those kind of creamy vanilla and a little bit of toaster brioche notes. Very excited for her. I know it's um, she's kind of just now starting to get the word out about it and, and find a distributor and all of that but I know you can find it um, you can get it through her website which we'll have a link to on ours as well as you know our friend sweet Eugenia Keegan at Grand Moraine yes at Grand Moraine speaking again of, of Jackson Up Family in Oregon Grand Moraine owned by by Jackson Family Wines in Willamette Valley they launched their first Brut Rosé from fruit grown on their in their Yamhill Carlton Vineyards about three or four months ago. It's very, very small production right now. You can only kind of get it through their website if you are part of their club, but hopefully they'll continue to to ramp that up. We love we we love anything one from Willamette as well as from Eugenia. So excited to to kind of see how this product yeah. does. We're seeing a lot more sparklers come out of Willamette Valley. We had talked about the the Brut Rosé from Stoller last year that they had just launched. Um, Adelsheim has one in the works we know about. Yeah. We know Rocco just launched theirs about a year or two ago. So it's exciting to see more of these sparklers come out of Willamette. Because so. we always just think about Pinot Noir from there. And right. then the Chardonnays the have been exactly. great Chardonnays yeah. and very French style and dry. And now, now all these now sparklers. sparklers so yeah. Okay, can I bring up two obscure Valentine's yes. movies? And these are really different. You've never heard these from me. But one's called Crossing Delancey. And these are probably both on Netflix uh, because they're older films. It's 1988. It's an intellectual Jewish book lover played by Amy Irving. And Amy yeah. Irving was in movies for a long yeah, time. Used to yeah. be married to Spielberg yeah. back in the day. And uh, and she's she's always dealing with literates and book people and the high end on the intellectual scale. But she meets a pickle salesman on the street played by Peter Riegert, and he runs his family's pickle. He has it's big bins of pickles on the streets in New York. And it's a very Jewish-eccentric film that's just, there's a little Yiddish spoken in it, and it's the coolest little romantic movie. And it's called Crossing Delancey because you got to cross Delancey Street to get into the pickle area. And it's just the coolest. You know, you have a, it's, a, it's what you would consider a highbrow person meeting a blue-collar worker and why that won't work or maybe that will. Why it should. And why it should. And it's Crossing Delancey. It's one of my favorite little romantic movies. Awesome. And then I'm going to go a little uh, dark and melancholy and interesting and sexual on you because it's a movie from, it's a French film from 1990 that I can never get out of my head. But it's called The Hairdresser's Husband. And it's Patrice Leconte who made these great French films. And it's a little, it opens with a little boy in a seaside town in France, and he goes to get his hair cut. And he keeps falling in love with the voluptuous woman who cuts his hair. And he goes in every week for a haircut, even though he only needs one once a month. And he's looking at her breasts. And this woman, this sweet little kind of you know voluptuous woman, just cuts his hair. And he grows up into his 40s and never marries. And he gets into almost his 50s. And he's determined to marry a hairdresser. And he walks into this another coastal town in France, and there's this beautiful single woman who cuts hair. And he, they don't say anything. She just gives him a haircut, and he comes back a week later to get another one and then proposes to her in the chair. And she says yes. Oh, my gosh. And it doesn't make any sense. And they get married in the salon, 
And they have this amazing, beautiful life. And then there's a melancholy, sad twist near the end. But it is the coolest kind of cool film. It's it's just what really great. It's what Amelie is partly a bar. It's a little more sexual than Amelie. But and they they have like three or four of their of their friends, and they meet in the salon and get married. And it's just he he finds his dream woman that he's thought about since he was eight or nine or ten. Aww. And it's really cool. And it's French. <laughs> it's called The Hairdresser's Husband. It's 1990. It was a big Oscar uh, consideration film back then. Awesome. Anyway, anyway that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> awesome. Well, Crossing Delancey, The Pickle Salesman, and The Hairdresser's Husband, both yes. older films. So get your yeah. get your uh, your Netflix ready for yeah. Valentine's cool Day stuff. movie. Cool stuff. Okay, just a quick note as we end, as I alluded to when we started. we're doing a big show. We've got a great show. Last year we worked, uh, we partnered with Studio Movie Grill at their Royal Lane location in Dallas for our kind of Oscar preview event, and we're going to do it again. Let's go back. I'm so excited, and it's awesome. It's going to be March 1st. It's a cool night. Um, starting at seven o'clock, and we'll have the a nomination or a discussion of the key categories, all the kind of key contenders, mm-hmm. and who's nominated. And then, of course, Gary will give his super duper picks. If you haven't picked up on who they are by listening to this podcast, but uh, we'll kind of break down each of the categories, and then for a handful of the key categories, we'll have wine pairings. So, so we'll bring together our wine and film perfect pairing evening, and then. Studio Movie Grill brings out all these snacks. They have super snacks. They like they over deliver. They, they, it was a really. It's a lot of wine and a lot, a lot of food. Of, we were actually really uh, pleased with They're how so organized, how fantastic they did, and just the partnership with them last yeah. year. So we're really really excited to do that again with them this year. Tickets are only forty bucks, also, yeah. which for everything I think you get, you know, I think just hearing us speak is worth so much more. <laughs> oh, absolutely, that's worth forty forty two dollars, maybe forty one. So I will say the food and the wine is, is, worth is well worth But you, it starts at 7 and will be through by 9. It starts hour, at 7, exactly. And um, tickets right now, if you go to thestudiomoviegrill.com and then to the Royal Lane location. <laughs> location and then to March 1st, you can get your tickets. But we'll have a link on yeah. our website. It's up on our Facebook page right now also, right. which is Cogill Wine and Film, our and Facebook And page. we're donating, and there's some money, that's a fundraiser actually it that is. night for the Dallas Film Society, which uh, has been putting on the Dallas International Film Festival for years. And uh, and they not only need your help, but they want your help. And they want, if you love movies, being a part of the film festival in Dallas and the film society, I, I think is is important and a really big deal. So we're going to auction off a number of really cool things. They've donated two of the, what do we call them? The, the VIP, star passes. The star passes to the entire film festival where you get to go to the parties, you get to go to all the screenings, you're 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 the first one in the door. Yeah, it's basically a, yeah. a, a backstage pass to yeah. anything you could want to do. During the entire 10-day festival. Into the, into the lounge, into, yeah. So oh, yeah, and their private lounge. You get so you to, can, to rub elbows with all the filmmakers. Can, yeah. So that's great. I know Studio Movie Grill is is doing they've, one of their... They've donated one of their year-long passes for two. Yes, which is an incredible... And we'll do a live auction with yeah. those things, and we'll probably throw in one more we'll cool have, thing. We'll have, we'll, we'll have yeah. some surprises and We're just going to well. give all that money. The film to society. the film society, which yeah. we are thrilled to be able to do. So yeah. again, we'll have a link to how to get tickets. We hope that you guys can join us. We're excited to be going back to Dallas just briefly yeah. before we come back here to this paradise. Yeah, get your tickets soon because this usually will sell out. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we'd love to see you there. Uh, next time on Kogel Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. More new films, including this new film, Black Panther. I can't wait to see. I'm actually really, really interested in this. I am too. And the I early not re- a kind of comic book. 
You're not that person. But yeah, yeah, this one looks really good. It looks and really good. And the cast looks incredible. It, it does. I'm all for this. And the early reviews are great. We haven't seen it and we'll, we'll let you know. Uh, along with more wonderful wines to pair with what we're watching, because that's what you do the best. <laughs> For more on our discussion today, check out our blog on cogillconsulting.com or through our Facebook page. Be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill. And as usual, I'm looking for the next great film. And I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. Aloha. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.